Man, we are honored you're here today at church, and uh, we hope you came expecting. We hope you came to be encouraged today, and you've got to really fill your heart with a great, great experience. You do know that you were created to experience God, right? Uh, let, me, let me ask you again, because I'm not really sure everybody in the room knows that today. You do know that you're created to experience God, right? Fantastic. And, you know, that's really what God desires in the relationship that he has with each and every one of us. He wants us to be engaged with him so we can experience him and then begin to expose who he is in all of the earth. The Bible even says in Genesis 1, where God created man and woman, that he created man and woman to be a reflection of who he is in the earth and to rule and reign the earth. However, we know that circumstances in life has begun to rule and reign over humanity instead of humanity ruling and reigning over circumstances in life. And so as Jesus has made a way when there was no way back to God, I just want to engage you today with what God wants you to experience. Because God wants you to experience something so that you can live out the significant life that he has for you to live out. Now, I love to kind of go to Costco here in North America. If you're not familiar with Costco of your own line, Costco is a warehouse that is full of all kinds of foods. And when you go to Costco, you can just kind of walk around. If you're hungry and feast on the samples, anybody know what I'm talking about? See, some of y'all are trying to fill up your life with the samples out of Costco. I know it. Samples are amazing because samples are goodness that can actually lead us to a place of greatness. They are samples, and they're called samples for a reason. They're to kind of get your appetite engaged for the substance that you are being led to. And so samples are meant to be good, but not meant to be be great. I don't know if you've ever walked through the alleys and the aisles of the shopping malls and Somebody kind of stepped out in the aisle where all the traffic was and began to hold out a sample on a toothpick. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Let me just demonstrate today with, with these, these samples. Now, these samples are, are special. And what happens a lot of times is you'll see somebody standing in the aisleway. And they're holding little samples of goodness out so that you can experience greatness. They're holding a little taste of what is in store for you so it will engage you so you'll experience something great. And so I just thought I would share one of these little samples with you today. Can you go ahead and taste it so everybody else wants to experience what you're experiencing it's good. What do you think that is? Donut. A donut. A donut. Any particular kind of donut. Is it Krispy Kreme? Krispy Kreme donuts. <laughs> the manna from heaven. <laughs> the miracle. You want a little sample? That's my son trying to grab for a sample when he has actually access to the full thing. Hey, Jan, how are you? Take it. You got a sample. Where'd you get a sample from? Out front. They had samples out front, too. And so, you know, again, these samples are simply, simply to engage you. You like you need a sample. I just thought you did. I need to give out one more sample over in this section 
over here because, yeah, so Adam, you're looking good, man. Get you a sample. Here, why don't we just give one to the whole family? Mom, sample. Jennifer, that's the hairdresser there today. Come on, somebody. Fantastic. So I know all of the rest of you, your mouths are watering now because you know what's on this plate. And as you sit through the service today, you're looking at this amazing substance up here. But the whole idea is to give out samples so that it engages you to experience the substance. And really that's what I want to talk about today. Because what God wants you to experience is the very substance of who he is so that you can engage with him and begin to express who he is in this earth. And so, in other words, God wants you to have an experience so you can make an expression. And the reason that the blood was shed on the cross was to expose humanity to what God desires for us to experience. And if you missed last weekend, we talked about Jesus' blood that was shed on the cross and the veil in the temple there in Jerusalem, the big heavy curtain there in the temple being torn from top to bottom. And what's interesting is the moment that temple curtain, that veil in that temple was torn, it represented that now humanity has access, all access, to the God of the universe to experience what God wants us to experience. Now, if you study the scriptures and God had given instructions to a man named Moses who had, who had led the Israelite people out of bondage. They'd been in slavery for 400 years down in Egypt. And God allowed blood to be put over the doorpost of their homes and allowed them to escape this bondage. And then along the journey as he was taking them to a land filled with incredible provision, a land where they would find their significance. The Bible says that God instructed the leader, Moses, to build a tent of meeting, a, a tabernacle. Later, Solomon built a temple. Solomon, being the son of David, built a temple there in Jerusalem, a place of meeting with God. If you look at the scriptures in First Chronicles, it tells us that the expense of this temple exceeded more than $17 billion. I didn't say million, billion dollars. And what's interesting is God had had Moses and Solomon to place a chest inside of this temple where only one person a year could be exposed to this particular area known as the Holy of Holies. And in that chest, the Ark of the Covenant represents what God wants to put in your chest today. It represents the heart of God. And what was in the Ark of the Covenant is the heart of what God wants you to experience and what he wants to place in your heart and my heart. And when the curtain is torn in the temple, and the blood is shed, God begins to expose that this isn't only something that he wanted a certain person or a certain group of people to experience, but this experience could be for all people who trust and believe in what he had done as he has shed his blood. And so inside of that ark, Hebrews 9, 4 tells us there were three articles inside of that chest. One of those articles was the Ten Commandments that God had wrote with his own fingers and given to Moses there on a mountain. 
And God told Moses, I need you to put this in that ark, in that chest. Also was a stick that came alive, that it was a dead stick, the staff, the rod of Aaron, Moses' brother. The Bible says it came alive and, you know, and began to mark Aaron's leadership to the rest of the people. And God says, I need you to place this budded rod of Aaron in that chest, in that ark. And then the last thing that God instructed Moses, three elements to put in this chest, to get it in our chest, in our heart, was a golden jar of this substance or this sample, I should say, called manna. And God says, I want you to preserve two quarts of this manna. I want you to put it in a golden jar. And I want it to be there for all the generations to come to know what I want them, want them to experience. And so the golden jar of manna was also placed in the ark. Last weekend, we... We unpacked a lot of the meaning of all of those things behind the veil. But what I want to do today, because you do have access to what God wants you to have access to if you've believed in what Jesus has done on the cross. Understand, Jesus didn't just die on a cross to forgive you. He died on a cross to forgive you. So you could walk and take steps towards your purpose and live a life of great, great significance. To expose you to who God has created you to be and you to have an experience in that relationship with your creator and walk in the fullness of that relationship each and every day of your life. And some people are on the sidelines of life wondering what they are to do with their life. And can I tell you something? God doesn't just want a relationship with you. He wants a relationship with you that has a significant purpose. You know, we live in this society today where everybody just kind of wants a relationship. But have you ever thought about why you want a relationship? I mean, I think relationships need to have purpose. Why be in a relationship with anybody if the relationship don't have a purpose? Some people just want to sit around and chat about nothing. Can I tell you? And God wants to chat with you, but it's always to deposit in you your purpose and the significant life that he desires for you to have and live. And God does want to have a conversation with you. And God does want to to be in a divine connection and relationship to you, but it's for you and me to fulfill our purpose here in this earth. And so what God exposes behind that veil or what was it was to be exposed behind that veil are these three articles that we are to experience. And today I want to talk about the manna because the manna is the provision that God wants you to experience in your life so that you can live a life of significance and great, great substance and make a difference. Did you know that your creator wants to provide for your life every step of the way? The first place we learn of this God in the Bible of being a God who provides It's basically when Father Abraham puts his son Isaac on an altar and God provided a substitute ram in a bush. And Abraham calls out to God, Jehovah Jireh, which means God who will provide. But somewhere along the journey, people forgot God as the provider and began to think of themselves as their own provider. And though you are to walk 
in the provision of God and take steps every single day, God wants to provide for you in every significant way for you to fulfill your purpose and your God-given design. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is the provider, and he doesn't want to just provide a sample for you. He wants to divide, he wants to provide substance for you so you can be filled in a great way and live out the amazing purpose he has for you in life. He lets us taste his goodness so that we can experience his greatness. And today we're going to look at a passage of scripture where God defines to the Hebrew people through Moses what this manna is all about. This bread-like substance that was sweet like Krispy Kreme donuts that fell from heaven. The miracle of the manna. And here it is in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 1 through 10. God tells Moses, he says, be careful to obey all the commands I have given you today. Then you will live. Everybody say live. Then you will multiply. Everybody say multiply. And then you will enter and occupy. Everybody say occupy. When we learn to experience the relationship that God has in store for us to experience, we can live, we can multiply, and we can occupy all streets. We can live, we can multiply, and we can occupy all streets. He says... Then you will enter and occupy the land the Lord swore to give to your ancestors. He goes on in verse 2. He says, remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness out of bondage, out of slavery down in Egypt, led you through the wilderness for these 40 years. So, Here in the Bible, we learn that God is defining the manna after 40 years of deliverance so the people can understand what the sample was all about. He goes on to say, I provided for you in the wilderness for 40 years. I was humbling you and testing you to prove your character, to build your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. This is Moses given, given the thoughts to his people on behalf of God. Yes, he, God, humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna. So God, let your mouth water. Let your appetite become strong. And then he chose daily to make provision and pass out this bread-like substance that rained from heaven each and every day, just enough for you and your family for that particular day so that your character would be built and you begin to understand That God can be trusted and he has a purpose for your life. He says, this was a food that was previously unknown to you and your ancestors. In other words, it's miracle food. He did it to teach you that people do not live on bread alone. So he says, you know what? The reason God gave you the manna is to build your character and to teach you how life is sustained. He says, rather, you live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. For all of these 40 years, he says, check it out. Your clothes, they didn't wear out. Your feet didn't blister or swell. In other words, you know what? I took care of you every step of the way. He says, think about it, just as a parent 
disciplines a child, the Lord your God disciplines you for your own good. In other words, God's discipline is to help you, not to hurt you. God's discipline is to get you to move from where you are to where he sees that you can be. God is interested in pulling more out of you than you see in yourself. God's more interested in not leaving you in a wilderness, in a place to decide on your own. But he's interested in leading you in a place where you can depend on him, him develop your character, and you become everything he has created you to be. He says in verse 4 to the people, So obey the commands of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and respecting him and fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land of flowing streams and pools of water with fountains and springs that gush out in the valleys and hills. It is a land of wheat and barley, of grapevines, of fig trees and pomegranates, of olive oil and honey. It is a land where food is plentiful and nothing is lacking. In other words, he is not a God of lack. If you're living in the significance of what God has created you to be, you lack nothing. He is the supplier of all good gifts. If he cares for the birds of the air and the lilies of the field, surely he cares for you and me and adds to us all the things we tend to worry about in life whenever we seek his kingdom and seek it first. And so many of us are lacking in life because we're not understanding the provision of God and what the provision is for. And today, I'm going to talk about what that provision is for because the provision of God is never to leave you the same. He goes on to say this. In, it, is, it, it is a land where iron is as common as stone and copper is abundant in the hills. And he says to the people, when you have eaten your field, in other words, when your belly is so full of my blessing. He says, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land he has has given you. And so in Exodus 16.33, Moses declares that a jar of this manna, this bread-like substance, be put in a jar so all generations could understand what the sample, what the manna was all about. And the manna is the provision of God. It was the people's daily bread. But not only was it their daily bread, it was their daily bread, the Bible says, to build their character. And it was the daily bread for them to understand that they didn't live just on food, on bread, on Krispy Kreme donuts alone. That they lived And they multiplied and they occupied by all the words that came out of the Lord's mouth. And so God wants you to experience his daily provision so that you can move towards his promises and and begin to experience all he has in store for you so your life can be filled with his presence and you can praise the Lord and then it exposes the rest of the world who this great God is. But most people want to stay stuck on the sample and miss the life of significance. Let me say that again. Most people want God to reign a little taste of his goodness in their life. God, could you just give me a better job? God, God, you know what? I'm not satisfied with the relationship I have. Could you give me another relationship? Well, God's already provided you with a relationship. But do you understand the significance of the relationship and what the relationship is for? 
Oh, see, you see, hey, hey, God, you know what? This, this isn't good enough. I deserve this. I deserve that. And what you're missing is all of God's goodness in your life. The very air you suck in your lungs is just a taste of God's goodness. So you can move to the promise and experience the greatness of God in your life. But I'm telling you, people get stuck on the sample. And God's trying to get you to see his greatness. God, God's, God don't want to just give you a little taste. He says, I want to move you towards the promise. So you are filled with a whole tray of my greatness and my goodness. Let your mouth water on the manna so that your character is developed. And you take steps towards my greatness. And then you experience every word that comes out of my mouth so you can live life on purpose. And see, until you understand you have a purpose in this world, then none of this makes sense to you. And you would rather just eat the samples than experience the eternal one who wants to give you the whole plate of his amazing promise. And can I tell you where people are today? They're, they're crying about the sample instead of moving forward with what God wants them to experience. And I'm here to declare to you today, God is in relationship with you for a purpose. And it's not just because you're a good guy or I'm a good guy or you're, you're something special. It's because he loves you and he has an assignment for you and he wants you to find that assignment and live it out each and every day. And I have discovered that God doesn't just give you small little portions to fulfill your assignment. When you step into it, he'll give you the whole plate of goodies so you can live out your purpose here in the world. And so the veil is torn to expose you to the goodness of who God is so you can experience your creator. But you need to grab hold today of what God wants you to experience in the relationship. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is the provider. You are not the provider. He is the one that gives you the substance. He is the one that gives you the ability. He is the one that gives you everything you have in life to get you to a place of amazing purpose. So why are so many people stuck on the sample instead of living a life of success? Well, if you go to Numbers 11, and I won't go there in our Bible, we see that many of these people who have been delivered out of bondage got stuck on the sample instead of living a life of success. As a matter of fact, they got so much of the sample They got tired of the sample and wanted something different of what they experienced in bondage because they didn't understand the sample was to move them forward to purpose. They were looking at it as as not moving forward. They were looking at it as this is all God's got to give me. They began to complain about the manna they were having to eat daily that was coming from the hand of God. I wonder how many of us complain about God's daily bread and God's provision and we miss a life of significance. In other words, the Bible says, the Bible says in Numbers 11, they basically begin to grumble and complain about the bread-like substance. And is this all we get is manna? And and they begin to complain to Moses and they said, man, you know what? We want some meat to eat. At least we had some hot dogs and hamburgers back there in Egypt when we sit around the campfire. And we need some meat. You know, you know, I hear Christians say that all the time. Church people. I want some meat. This ain't deep enough. Well, brother, if this ain't deep enough, 
You don't know what meat is. But, yeah. But here's the deal. Sometimes God will give you what you're asking for so you can really see what you need. And sometimes what you're asking for is not what you need. It's what you want. And because you want something and because your appetite craves things that you experienced in bondage sometimes, my friend, that's what, not what you need to move forward in life and move to the great provision of God and the significant purpose he has for you. In Numbers 11, the Bible says they begin to crave the things they had in bondage, the meat they had in bondage. They wanted meat. And so God's like, okay, Moses, you tell them. I'm getting ready to give them some meat. So much meat that they won't be able to eat it all. As a matter of fact, they're going to have so much meat to eat in a month that they, they, because they don't understand what the manna's about, the sample's about, which is to, to discipline them, build their character, and lead them to a place of depending on me and trusting me so I can give them a life of significance. They think meat is the substance that gives them, gives them the incredible, incredible gift of life. He says, so I want you to stir up a covey of quail. And everybody in the village, millions of people will gather at least 50 bush, bushels of them to eat for a month. And they're going to eat so much meat that they're going to get sick. And when they get sick because of their gluttony, matter of fact, the Bible says the place the quail was provided is called the mountain of gluttony. Because they're going to eat so much of what they think they need and what they want that they're going to die there and they're going to miss what I have in store for them. See, see, I can tell you that your cravings of what you experienced in bondage will always, always come against you. But God has opened the door through the finished work of Jesus Christ for you to experience him, the sustainer and the creator of life, for you to get over what was over you and get under who is over you so you can move forward to your divine purpose and live it out each and every day. Some of us don't know what we need. We just know what we want. And can I tell you something? The cravings of the flesh will leave you in the, leave you in the wilderness and you will not experience what God's daily provision is all about to get you to a life of significance. And so I wrote this in my journal. I said, if I really want the manna, to do what it's designed to do, then I don't need to focus on what the provision is over what the provision, over what the provision does. Th that was the whole problem with the Israelite people. And not only the Israelite people, it was the problem with the Jewish people as generation after generation went by. They focused on what the provision was Instead of what the provision does. In other words, God says, look, we're going to instruct you to build a magnificent temple in Jerusalem. And I'm telling you, it was filled with gold, silver, precious stones, incredible bronze, incredible metals, incredible wood, incredible architect. Again, go read it and, and, um, and first Chronicles. Well, let me just read it to you. First Chronicles 29, verses 6 through 7. As Solomon builds this temple, the Bible says the family leaders, the leaders of the tribes of Israel, the generals, the captains of the army, and the king's administrative officers all gave willingly for the construction of the temple of God. They gave about 188 tons of gold. Again, I need you to do the math. How much is an ounce of gold worth? 
We're talking 188 tons. Okay? That's a lot of money. That's billions of dollars. The Bible says that also that they gave 10,000 gold coins, 375 tons of silver, 675 tons of bronze, and 3,750 tons of iron. That's a lot of provision for God's presence to be in a place. But can I tell you something? Because they missed what God's presence was all about and what he wanted them to experience in life. And they started focusing on what the provision was instead of what the provision does. The Bible says God withdrew his presence from that temple in Jerusalem and allowed a foreign enemy, the Babylonians, to come in and destroy that 17 to 20 billion dollar facility and strike it to the ground. Because they were more focused on the facility instead of the facilitator of life and the purpose of what God wanted to do in their life. See, we get focused a lot of times on what we have instead of what God wants to do. And my Bible tells me that he will supply for me and you every step of the way to do what he has designed us to do. He will make daily provision. He will lead you into his promises and he will rain down his blessings on you to live out your purpose. But so many people aren't walking in that. They're begging God for samples. And God's like, stop fussing about the sample and understand the significance of the sample is to move you to a life that I will sustain and build you and feed you and begin to to pour out more on you than you ever imagined, thought of, or hoped for. But see, they were misusing the sample. They were misinterpreting the sample, the manna. And so God says, you know what? Because all of this wasn't doing what it's designed to do, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to do this, which is allow some of you to die so you can realize I didn't give you a sample so you could stay the same. I gave you a sample so you could trust me and move into my amazing promise. Some of us are going to die with the daily provision that God has given us today and never discover our purpose. And what I mean by that is you've got a job and I've got a job. But God is the provider of everything you have. And I have for us to live out our purpose. But some of us think that God can't rain down the next day's blessing or he can't give us more than we already have. So what we do is we hoard the blessing and we call it ours instead of his. And God says, I just want you to check your heart, sir. Hey, ma'am, I need you to check your heart. And here's how you're going to do it. Bring 10%, the whole tithe into the storehouse of God to see if you really trust me as provider. And my mission will go forward. God didn't say bring in part of the tithe. He says bring in the whole tithe and see if I will not open up the windows of heaven on your life. But some of us, Try to decide what a tithe is. And I want to be clear today. A tithe is 10% of all God provides you. Whether it's grandmama giving you a check in the mail or you going to work. Provision come your way because God provided. Secondly, I want to be clear. God gave you the ability to receive the provision. Whether it's your intellect, whether it's your hands, whether it's your feet whether it's your occupation. And so God gave you all the ability, and if you think you're providing it, then you will die without living a life of purpose because you think you're the provider instead of God, the Holy One being the provider, and you walking in the fullness of your purpose. 
God's given you a way to test where your heart is. And he says, bring in the whole tithe. The first fruits of everything you make into my storehouse. It ain't about, yes, it helps move his mission forward. But it's really more about where your heart is. And some people are like, well, I'll decide where my tithe goes. No, your tithe goes to God's storehouse and your place of worship. And guess what? It ain't for you to decide. It's for him to decide what part he's put you in. That means if you belong to another church and you're here on vacation, your tithe don't come to this church. Your tithe goes to the place that you're connected to and God is living, letting you live out your purpose. I want to be clear today. But people are like, I just give my tithe where I want to. I give, I give 10%, I give 8% to the dog pound. And I, No, you, you miss it. I mean, give 8% to the dog pound, but bring your tithe to the storehouse of God and let God do the miracle he wants to do in your life. Oh, it always gets quiet when you talk about tithe. Everybody shouts about provision, but nobody wants to be disciplined enough to live a life of purpose. And I want you to understand today that if you want to see the blessings of God and him rain down in your life, all the significant things he has in store for you, do you trust him as Jehovah Jireh, the great provider? And he's given you, sir, a way to figure out whether you trust him or not. And guess what? Your, that does not lie. Because the Bible says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Have you let God put his heart, what was in his chest, in your chest? Jehovah Jireh is provider. And can I tell you, a lot of people just look at the manna and don't know what to do with the manna. It is to trust God. It is a sample to keep moving you forward so you can trust God and develop your character and become everything he has created you to be. So what is our purpose? Because the provision is for purpose. And to help us understand that today, I simply went to a passage of scripture where Jesus, when, when he was the fullness of God here on earth, began to exhibit what purpose is all about. And it's found in your Bible in John 4. And there was a lady searching for significance. She was a Samaritan woman. She was not a Jew. They didn't associate with the Jewish people. But God had a purpose for the Jewish people, and it was to expose who he was to all the nations of the world. The reason God wanted them to live in a land of plenty, he says, so that the world and all the nations can know that I am your God and you are my people and they will turn their heart towards me too. And so Jesus travels through this land, hostile land, a land of Samaria. He and his band of disciples, 12 guys, and he's teaching them a lesson about what provision is for. And he's teaching them how to live life on purpose. And the Bible says that he meets up with this woman at a well. He's tired. The whole team's hungry. And, you know, he's restless. He needs water. He needs food. He needs all of these things. And he sits down by the well. And the 12 disciples say, well, you know what? We need, we need some food. We're going to go into town and get some. We're going to get some substance. We're going to go into town and get some food. We're going to get some Chick-fil-A. And Jesus says, well, y'all go ahead. I'm going I'm to sit here and live a life of significance and fulfill my purpose. Bible says a woman comes out that would have been hostile towards the Jews and the Jews hostile towards her group. And she was searching for significance in men. Bible says she had had five husbands. 
And the man that she was living with then was not her husband either. In other words, she was trying to find the meaning of life. And she was trying to find it in relationships with other human beings. And Jesus sits down besides the well and engages in a conversation with her while the disciples go into town to find some samples, some food. Jesus is sitting there living a life of significance, speaks into a woman's life and says, you know what? There's going to be a day when people don't worship and engage with God here on this mountain that's in your little town or in the mountain in Jerusalem. They're going to worship in spirit and in truth. And she begins to talk about the Messiah, the liberator, and all of these kind of things. And Jesus reveals to her that he is the sustainer of life. He is the liberator. He is the one that gives people access to God. He is the one that's going to go and shed his blood so people can access God. He begins to reveal to her who he is. And as he's doing that, the disciples roll back up on the scene. And they had already had some food. And they think that, that Jesus needs a little food too. And, and they're like, hey, Jesus, we need you to eat something. Let me show you. It says in John 4, verses 31 and 33, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. And then they ask a strange question. Did somebody bring him a sample out here? Did somebody bring him food out here while we were gone? The disciples ask. And then if you follow the passage in John 4, verses 34 through 36, Jesus explained what he meant to them. The Bible says that Jesus says, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God. I am here to live, I am here to multiply, and I am here to occupy all streets. He says, I was sent here to finish my work. You say, you know the saying, he says, four months from the time you plant a seed until harvest. He says, but I'm telling you guys today, you need to wake up and understand. Life has never been about the sample. Life is about purpose. He says, The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages. And the fruit they harvest is people brought into eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. In other words, Jesus says, I'm here humanly living life on purpose, helping a person that's trying to find significance in all kinds of other things, find significance in who I am and what I came to give them access to, which is all the provision they would ever need. And y'all sitting here worried about a Krispy Kreme donut and I'm out here getting full on what I get nourished from and it's to live, it's to multiply and it's to occupy all streets with God's presence and by the way I meet with him daily and he provides for me every step of the way no matter what's going on in my life in other words I'm living a life on purpose, I'm living a life with destiny, I'm living a life in God's promises and I will, I will accomplish Accomplish my purpose. Man, get your eyes off the manna and get your eyes on the miracle of the manna. It's not about the manna, it's about what the manna does, and it builds character in you. And it leads you to depend upon a holy, set-apart God so you can live a life 
on purpose each and every day. And God will reign in your life. The blessings that you need to fulfill your purpose where he has placed you and where he has given you your assignment. Your assignment is to live, to multiply, and to occupy all streets with the very essence of what God has placed in you, helping other people know your heavenly Father. Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for manna. But God, may we not miss the miracle in the manna. God, there's some of us here today worried about our daily bread because we don't understand what daily bread is for. We're worried about what we have in our bank account instead of understanding what our bank account's for. We're worried about what kind of building or home we have when we don't even grab hold of the purpose of what we do have. God, I pray everyone would use wisely what is in their hands. And God, we would always trust you for our daily provision and our character would be developed to get us to the next level. God, I pray for those wandering right now in the wilderness of life, really trying to figure it all out. God, you, you, you showed amazing love when you sent Jesus to shed his blood on that cross. God, it was a symbolic way to say that sin is forgiven and access can be taken. But God, I pray today that people wouldn't just receive the forgiveness and sit and watch their days go by. God, you've created them to be eternal beings. You've created them to make an eternal difference. You've created them to live life and multiply your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. God, I thank you for all your provision. I thank you for the commandments that you gave Moses that represents your character. God, I thank you for the provision that you gave the Israelite people to help us understand you are a God that provides every step of the way. And God, I also thank you for your amazing power and the assignments you've given each and every one of us as we're learning what you want us to experience. God, as we step in out of the aisles of life, out of the alleyways, God, we're learning that we need to experience you, the very sustainer and substance of our life each and every day. You're a good God. You're a God that blesses us. You're a God that sustains us. And you're a God that cares us. Jesus, thank you for making the way when there was no other way. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for your power in the resurrection. And today we believe and we experience God, we want to express you to all the rest of the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.